Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. And on my side over here, actually across the table from me is who? George T. Yeah, George T., a little frustrated tonight, a little on edge. Shows up to do a podcast. At 6 o'clock. And uh, you just bring, the microphone moves towards your face, bro. So, George T.'s crying like a little girl, but it's all right. Guess what? Everybody, welcome to episode 150. That's right, 150. 150. Yeah, talk it. Bro, get, get the mic all up on your, on your grill there, dude. So, yeah, episode 150, me and George T. kicking it out. We uh, did the episode last week about the Baja Bug movie, and SEMA show was a couple weeks ago, and I got a letter where I sent out to some people, and I said, hey, you guys got questions and whatnot. So we got our first one. So episode 150 is going to be some Q&A stuff. So get ready for this episode of Let's Talk Dubs. All right, George. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? So, episode one hundred and fifty. We've made it a long way. I mean, we're going on. This is third year for the podcast, right? Yeah. So, I twenty. I, I technically we started in twenty eighteen. Uh, we launched in December of twenty eighteen, but twenty nineteen was our fu- first full year. Twenty twenty, and then twenty twenty one. So, yeah, we're in the third year of this podcast, and. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. I, I get a lot of feedback. I sure could use about 150, 300 more reviews on Apple Podcasts. So get your butt on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. You'll get a five-star shot out for that. Um, what we're going to get into today is a little bit of catch-up on what we got going on. And I got some listener questions. So some good listener questions for some uh, people that are relatively new to VWs. And even if you're not new to VWs, they're going to be... For sure, it's it's some good information to go over. And you're going to get George and I's differing opinions, which some of you guys enjoy and some of you guys might not. But uh, You're uh, going to get anyways. Yeah, you're going to get anyway. So, George, uh, get us up to date on what you've been doing. So, George has been fiddling around at the shop uh, doing some metal work. George has been trying to handle You know, my brother George uh, is a uh, uh, jack of all I trades. I don't wear enough hats at the shop, so I decided to put one more on. Right. Because I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, the problem, I mean, part of the problem is like finding, um, finding qualified help. Period, yeah. Finding more people. Right. That's and I've always been, issue. uh, uh, if, if, if I can't find someone to do it, then I'm going to be the one to do it. That's why I paint my cars now. And now I'm learning the steps before painting. I know how to prep a car, meaning like I know how to block sand and all that nuts you know how I stuff, a car. but <laughs> I'm learning like the actual, when you're in raw metal form, removing dents, removing warps high spot stuff like that now you watch a dude uh, there's a guy's video that you watch what's the name of the guy proshaper.com it's ray with a w and i yeah. forget his last name dude spells ray with a w? yeah older dude and he's yeah. just basically teaching the trade it's kind of nuts um yeah i was pretty impressed i went by the shop the other day and george was beating on a panel for a little while and i'm like you know my hands these hands are way too heavy for uh metal work and, uh, you know, I gave up on that first time. I, I think the first time I started, well, actually, I just put a huge dent in the fender when I welded a wheel bearing on and smashed my nice. own fender in my car to get the anger out. But I never took any dents out. Like, I tried, but I used, like, a puller, and I'd pull it out way too hard. So, you know, that's that's kind of where these hands, I mean, these hands are more for loving and putting big dents in cars. Um, well, I tell you, with metal, it, it's a finesse touch. 
And I'm learning that because when I did try it in the beginning, it was with hammers first off and hammers have a time and place, uh, but they're for really moving or if you're really good with it to hit it the right way to, to get those little slow bumps. But I use a slapper stick now more than a hammer and, and it's, uh, it's a much softer impact. It takes a little more, a little longer to get the dent out, but the end result is much flatter because you didn't do as much distorting and you don't make any high spots in it. Or low spots, depending on how you hit it with the hammer. So George was beating on this panel for a little bit, smoothing it out. And they were, it had some pretty bad oil canning on it. And uh, yeah. George shrunk it up and tightened it up. And uh, I was pretty impressed by it. I mean, I was I was almost impressed enough to bring him another piece of crap to work on. <laughs> yeah. Well, i tell you what I'm realizing slowly but surely that I'll probably never have another car blasted again. And I don't care what anybody says, how delicate they do it, or wherever the case is. Because this bus you had blasted. We had it blasted. But it, you had it media blasted you had it wet blasted how'd you have I had, it blasted? Uh, brettley from um rick's restorations did the thorn bus for me and oh you dropped that name you dropped in that well <laughs> Bre- brettley, i know bro um mobile shoot i wish i knew the name of this company right now uh, clean mobile blast something like that but brettley's a good dude and i don't blame him for any of this stuff it's just it is what moves metal is impact and when you're blasting it it's like a million little hammers hitting it so it does move metal so Here's a perfect example that shows me that there's movement just from the blasting. Where the roof fresh air box is, everywhere underneath where you couldn't get to it is left alone. But the one, when you remove that panel to expose the fresh air box inside it, the guts of it, there's a square of drop metal that is now transferred because the blasting could go through the fresh air right. box, well, when the, hit the outer skin, and change the shape of it in a perfect. Well, but even still, example if, of it. If the it's metal, insane. It, it, it just imprinted the metal, right to it. Even even if it's wet blasted, and the the waters to keep the dust down. Even if it's wet blasted, what's going to happen is, it's it the doubled up metal is going to react different, or the temperature will be different than the yeah. single layer metal. So. And this was this was done in a charcoal. I don't want to get into cold thermal dynamics. Thing. Um, so it wasn't done wet. We've done one wet one, and I tell you what, anybody who does that is insane because when we stripped the nose off of the car to do it, there was a good two inches of media left inside there that if you weren't taking that nose off to replace the bus, that would have just been a, a catch-all for any liquids and would have eventually rust out the bus from the inside out again. So that's You're even worse. There was, there was sludge in the behind the front nose? Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> You know what? I should probably take that phrase back because I had an don't inexperienced the, person. Don't, don't worry about taking the phrase back. I had back. an inexperienced person that just opened up their wet blasting business, and I hooked them up with a job and got some less than uh, exceptional work out of it. And that's not a dig. The dude was new, and I knew just what I was learning, getting into, but hey. learning, bro. Yeah. So. I would never do wet blasting again. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm moving away from it. And there's a shop up in Oregon that does dipping. And my friend Michael Boyer did his 49 Ford up there. And you take it up there and actually acid dip it. They dip it with something, I'm not sure, but it removes everything from the entire car. Like, And the nice thing about that is you'll get a lot of sandwich rust where metal overlaps over. Right. You cannot remove that unless you remove that panel. Follow Ren Metalworks, anybody out there, and just see every time he cuts one more thing into a Porsche, he opens up a can of worms every time because you cannot stop rust where you can't get to it. Yeah. And it's in all the little pockets. So to soak it, seems ideal to me because it's going to get inside it. They actually submerge the entire car in these tanks. So there's not a spot. It's not going to remove rust from. You just got to hope you get a car back out of it when they pull it. out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always, that, that, listen, this is why, but for you new listeners out there that haven't heard my take on it, my, my take is spend the extra three, four, five grand mm-hmm. 
It sounds like a lot. It's not like if you want, if you, if you're planning, like I'm going to spend, let's say I save 10,000 bucks for a bug, save 15,000 bucks and buy the nicest bug. You can like no metal work, no anything. Even if you found something that needs to be assembled, but the metal work and paint is done. You're thousands ahead of the game. Yeah. Stress that to people get the best donor possible. Otherwise you're just going to pay for it fourfold fivefold on the other end of it trying to repair that yeah i uh wow but i got this one at such a good deal yeah, wow that's that the, good deal is going to cost you so much more than if you'd have just said hey you know what i'm going to save up for another year or so or whatever you know take a loan out i'm going to remind you of a phrase there's no such thing as a free lunch <laughs> none absolutely none so i mean short of getting like an unbelievable deal and even some unbelievable deals are a little more believable i i you know you'd be proud of me this week a buddy of mine hit me up with a really great deal on a camper bus and I was this close to buying it. And then I was just like, bro, I don't need another project. Like I've got, yeah. I've got three projects behind. We got the Zorba, the Gi in the garage and I'm gonna do a little project update on that. Uh, I, I have Russell. We did the motor thing and I sent the motor down. Uh, case was no good. I was going to do the single port stroker and then I, that didn't work out. Sent a second case. Now, I had a 2276 sitting here on the shelf that assembled so many years ago, but it needed to be gone through and balanced. So I shipped him that motor, and it's like a 2276 wedge port heads, uh, you know, the ceramic lifters, FK8 cam. Like it's got everything done to it for like FK8. I don't know, remember, bro? Let's don't get don't get all technical. Hope to goodness not. Why? What's wrong with FK8? Because you're gonna have to rev that thing to the moon to get power. No, out of it. I you might be thinking FK89, 89s and 87s are the ones that have the power band comes on at 3,500. But we might take a look into that. But either way, um, so did that, and then I went down to see Russ, and he hooked me up with some narrowed front, some narrowed front Type Three arms. And so if you guys are new, let's say you're new to the Type Three game. Russell makes narrowed front arms. Now, I am not a fan, personally, of putting a Type 1 beam in a Type 3. Agreed. I think the Type 3 rides so much nicer for a specific reason, and it's not worth sacrificing the ride quality. And everybody has this, you know, and everybody references Cadillac. Like, oh, it rides like a Cadillac with no shock beam and all this kind of stuff. But the car's from VW were designed pretty good and lowering them. If you lower them right, let's say you put drop spindles, which you keep your, your, your trailing arm geometry, correct. Then you still have the same, the same style of travel. So you will going forward like chase, like uh cage 66 makes the extended mm -hmm. trailing arms to try to straighten that out. Um, he doesn't try. He does. Well, no, what I'm saying, like he makes to try to straighten that, that yeah. angle out to recenter the wheel when your torch, when your trailing arms are pointed upward. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's the technology lowering it, and that's going to be one of our questions that we'll get into. But I just wanted to finish the update on the Type 34. So the Type 34, I went like gangbusters. I put oh, was like, the motor done? The motor was assembled. Stacy posted, posted a picture. Stacy posted a picture with the, yeah. with the short block. I haven't heard anything, but maybe we're, maybe we're due uh, next week or so for a quick bomb trip down to, uh, down to see our boy Russell over there and snatch up some stuff. Next week's Thanksgiving, bro. Listen, bro, I'll, give, I'll give thanks for that motor. Picked up my transaxle from my boy John at RC Trans, which I'm going to get John with RC Trans on the podcast. We'll get him up here, and we'll just talk trannies and stuff like that because when I went over there to visit him, you know, this whole backup with everything is causing this, this whole circumstance right now with shipping and overseas manufactured products is causing a huge deal, especially in the transmission world, because you mm -hmm. cannot get ring and pinions at mm -hmm. all. And so... 
really the only things that he's able to build if he's got the parts is stock stuff. And even the stock stuff is running out. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, I just had John go through, built me a heavy-duty trans, just a heavy-duty Frio floor, and I wanted the bi- I want the same trans that I had in the crew cab, which is like huge fourth gear, you know, drop off, need a two-liter motor to push the thing. But it re- what reinforced that idea of that really tall gear tranny is even in the rag chop, cruising around rag chop, that fourth gear is like a it's four thirty seven. Close ratio gearbox. It's not. It's got to be a close ratio gearbox. Your next man on the freeway, that thing screams at sixty five seventy. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, it, it's, it's got it's a, a close ratio gearbox. Cover. No, I don't think it's close because it, it's a fourth, bro. It's just not a. It's you, listen, you followed the path of your older brother, and you got the big the big trans box with a super tall fourth. Pretty so, sure I did that way before you, bro. You lost your mind. You My single cab had a twenty-two fourth gear in it. Loving mind. Stop with your single cab. Listen, no one runs a single cab, and the carbon cab is on the road. <laughs> Doesn't matter. My single cab was on the road first. What are you talking about, bro? bro? No, I don't want to get into the story of the transmission. Daniel Teague has built my gearbox in like two thousand four yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. five. Listen, bro. Come listen. on now, bro. Listen. At no point did you ever set me down and be like, like I do for you all the time. Like George, let me set you down. Let's <laughs> That's let's pretty have pretty ineffective. Let's have. A, <laughs> Oh, I'm making me. George laugh. He's choking to death. But I sat you down like my younger brother said, George, when you get older. This never happened, <laughs> by the way, anybody. <laughs> George, when you get older, you're going to want a tall gear transaxle. And here's what you're going to need. At any rate. Yes, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at any rate, that tall geared fourth is is super nice for cruising the cruising the uh, freeways because you know i think we all dream of taking our car in a long on a long distance road trip but even if you're on the freeway for a half an hour going across town man you've got a close ratio trans it is awful but we're pretty flat here in vegas not a lot of hills so and then i we run all big motors big boys we run up in here so anyway with the type 34 yesterday going back and forth because i i purchased the drop spindle so from russ i did drop spindles he does welded drop spindles for the type three, which means you can keep your trailing arm angle closer to stock, which will give you a better ride. And then he narrows the front trailing arms so that you can put a little bit bigger meat on the front because everybody, and you know, I don't know if anybody's got the math, right? But they put these front beams in there. Those front wheels are sucked in so bad. It looks so stupid to me. I'm not a fan yeah, of that. If you got to get a three quarter shot before you even see the brim. I'm not a fan of it either. I don't like, I don't like the super narrow. In, I don't sucked like in look. So we got I the, like a filled wheel. Well, but I do like a little bit of tuck in the front of Type Threes. They a little bit. That's why I like four and a halfs on the front of Type Threes because they really draw them nope. in. I don't like four and a half, bro. I got the BRMs on here with them little square tires and one sixty five forty fives that we got on there. Mm-hmm. Those mofos would lock up like a mother, dude. My my ones in my Mexican Beetle. Those are the one one fifty five one fifty five one seventy five fifty fives. The fifteens, the Continentals, the ones that go yeah. black Conti gold. Pro context black gold or somebody used to sell them that front end of that car has never like locked up like like the the rag yeah. chop does it, it it like if i hammer on those brakes bro it'll get a little a little squirrel a little twitchy in the front dude a little twitchy so i like that setup i ended up doing uh the wheelwood front brakes on the type 34 50130 but I, I want to do, you do have two bolt I, patterns on that or one. No, there's only one bolt pattern and I've got a, a second set of rotors to put on for f- uh, four, four by one thirty, And I think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to switch back to four by one thirty. And it, the problem is with the wheels I'm running, you don't need. Are the Greek wheels four lug? They're four lug. Okay. Yeah. Zorba. Zorba. Why can't you the just wheels for the Zorba. Out for Re, 4 Re, the wheels for Zorba. 
one set of there, rotors have both bolt patterns on it, and then you can do switch simple I know, switches. I know. Listen no, to no me. rotor swap. Listen to me. Drill I, them. Listen, I already talked to Russell, and the five one one thirties he got were drilled straight five one thirty. Normally, the dual the dual pattern ones are four on one thirty and five on one thirty. He didn't have those, and the ones that he got, they were just drilled five on one thirty. So yeah, but Frostwell can do it for you. Listen, bro. That's all I got. So ease of operation. You got two sets of wheels, then you just want one. Like, oh, I got to move these studs. I know, and I got to no. get my other wheels powder coated. Um, <coughs> I so they were being right. painted. Uh, I mean, they're being no. I'm talking about the other wheels the, to match the, the roof, other the other stars. wheels. And the other <laughs> was the plan too. Like, bro, you thought you seen it all. Then next week I come out with a different set of wheels. Another one. And so uh, <laughs> that's what's going on with the gear. I started putting some of the rubber on there. I started. I, I got a free day. I came out in the garage and just started like. I'm going to start working on the window rubber. So I had the aluminum trim repolished. And let me tell you what right now, that stuff is like, I'm so glad that rubber goes in that because it's it, it's hard. Like I don't have the patience to get it all straight. Like the, I'm sure when it comes off, whatever, however they make it, that extruded metal for the top of uh, the A-pillar windowsill. Yeah. It's like nice and straight. And then after it gets pulled off the car and wiggle a couple times, it's not flat. But luckily a lot of it's a little wiggly hidden by the uh the way the rubber goes in you can't see how not perfect it is but yeah i started working on that that's a little bit of a pain in the nuts and uh did that just cleaned it up on the inside and i'm hoping to spend some time on the thanksgiving weekend um, i'm hoping to spend some of that doing more work on the type 34 so that's what i've been doing uh this weekend coming up george i want to talk to you about it it's kind of Volkswagen related it's a lowrider super show I see him all over downtown right now. And uh, yeah, I know. And at the Lowrider Super Show, and I bet Friday night would be a crazy strip cruise right now. Right now, I'm gonna tell you. Right about now, I think there's probably something. <coughs> Man, probably I saw tonight, a bunch Thursday. of bombers coming as I'm coming here. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving the strip because mm-hmm. I live literally right at the strip. As I'm leaving, coming here, mm-hmm. I see a bunch of bombers coming down Oki, heading there. Something's happening downtown right now with Lowriders. I'm assuming because I saw a bunch of Lowriders on trailers. Going towards downtown. Yeah, the Lowrider Super the Show is this weekend. It's Cashman Center. I'm sure there's some Lowrider meetups. Is that Cashman right now. Field? Cashman Field. So they're all downtown. And German folks are going to be there. So nice. we'll swing by. And this is the first time that I've seen that the Lowrider Super Show is on a Saturday. So uh, I'm going we'll to I'm I'm go check it out. So that's my plan for Saturday. Go down and check out the Lowrider Super Show. Um, George, you've been... Uh, any, as any, far as any projects, like Mach 11 has been yeah, put on hold just because obviously I got I actually have to make rent and everything like that, like pay what? bills and whatnot, so That's I can't crap. work on my brother's project right now. That's crap. <clears throat> so we'll be picking up paint for the Bull Run bus tomorrow. And hopefully, yeah, I still have not received my suspension yeah. as Come of Come on, yet. Demon Motorsports. Let's get this going, I bro. need my guy from Demon Motorsports Get out from underneath that windy real quick down. and kick out that Bull Run yeah, bro. Uh, suspension, Every bro. time I see pictures of that Winnebago, I'm like, what is the deal, bro? Get to work on my suspension. So I, I know he's having supply chain issues as well. Just, I mean, it's that's that, it's and, an ongoing and, excuse for everybody right now, but it's a reality. It yeah. really is. Like, Just now I try to price out getting T-shirts printed, and my guy is telling me on the phone, he's like, yeah, uh, just to let you know, there's not much selection in what you can choose as far as like your actual shirt. And he's like, if I find it, we literally have to buy it right then and there. No approval, nothing. Like we just have to get it and bring and send it over because everything's just disappearing. Like he <laughs> said, hats are not even available right now. So silly. So silly. The supplies chain stuff. Well, I'm going to look at my guy that sent because I'm ordering more shirts because I rent. You know, t- listen, all these people kicking down, buying some stuff. All these people supporting Let's Talk Let's Dubs. Talk that's Dubs, much appreciated. Buying some shirts, man. And I've been moving some shirts. And let me take a look what my guy says. And he says, awesome. 
So we are currently printing on this shirt, which must mean that's what they have. Short sleeve. We can yeah. put the long sleeve on this one. Shirt, same cut and style, and long sleeve, but it's a, and 100% cotton. Combine the two and print it all at once. You're looking below. All right. Uh, link to the item below. And I think I replied, said, let's do this. So I'll send them a message now. Uh, let's do this. So um, Cool. Everybody wants to hear this. <laughs> Uh, Old sidetrack Willie here. To, no, it's not side hey, by the way, we're recording we're some supply, right now, like live. Yeah, we're talking about supply chain issues, and this perfectly works. We got a dope it. new wagon shirt coming out, by the way. Yeah, pretty sick. Be ready for it. You know, it's pretty sick. I'm coming pretty up, on it. and I got up. a nice big sticker for the side of my bus, three three feet, going on the side of the bus. I'm just gonna give you my two cents. Yeah, my two cents. It says the wagon, and it says air cooled rehab. Mm -hmm. It needs instead of that, it says it needs a VW restoration. Period. Uh -uh. People don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. The, the name is but the it wagon. Does, it's a know, play off of being it, on the it, in know, rehab. It does, in my opinion, the name is matters. the wagon. Like you're on the wagon. No, I get, but nobody gets that. The it doesn't few. matter if they get it or not. You know who got it? Was the people? Hey, you know what I heard from them in Volksworld? That name is brilliant, mate. And as they the article is called rehab for say, for Karen's they, double cab, they, they say brilliant for everything. No, they loved it. He said, All right. I. I love just that. and said, I agreed with the guy one hundred percent. I know you agree. That's all right. I just gave air cooled BW air cooled rehab is all it said. All right. Yeah. My first shit said my first shirt said air cooled rehabilitation specialist. No, that's it. Just air cooled rehabilitation and cursive with the wagon logo above it, and then the phone number of the shop. Right. Landlines don't exist, so I don't put phone numbers on it anymore. Websites are for dead people. I don't know what you do. <laughs> so uh, George's got that. George's got that happening right now. Uh, the next thing is we come up to me. I really think there's the grand national roadster show. Um, we did have some results from SEMA. We, so, so we are working with SAS who makes the bazooka tube. We're going to mm -hmm. be working with them. They've got a single powered unit called the G2 and it's a single tube, four inch by 24. Uh, we're working on a mounting setup that that's going to kind of work. We're going to work with them on a VW installation kit. Cause I saw, I saw the unit there and a lot of guys like to keep it clean, simple stuff, but a lot of guys like to have some sounds and you know, you don't want to take a bunch of interior space. And I've always thought the lower front area of the Volkswagen is a good, a good spot for audio system because of front for front staging and all that stuff. So I talked, we talked with John from SAS. He sent us a couple tubes. We're working on a VW installation setup. So that'll be coming out. You guys will see that on the Instagram coming up here but pretty stuck because the nice thing it's like it's a good sound and it doesn't take up a bunch of space and it's all bluetooth compatible like it's all bluetooth stuff so he's gonna make it to where you can have a sub in the back so so these tubes it, can join like they're, yeah. they're they're party like if you have four friends with them all four of you can link up so this is pretty common bluetooth speakers now for their if they're the same brand yeah but he's gonna have it to where your sub can bluetooth off of your front so you don't have to actually run wiring to it, which is pretty awesome. You power the sub, which is a bazooka feature, and he adds his party mode to the sub, and they'll be able to connect to each other. That's right. what we discussed with him. Yeah, right now it's he's got a hardwire set up yeah. to run to a remote subwoofer, yeah. which is what uh, what we're running. Because I've got a you know I've been a fan of bazookas for a long time, just because back in the '80s the hardest hitting bass was coming out of bazookas, and I got to talking to John, who's the guy that one of the guys that developed the bazooka tube and it was pretty cool to chat with him and just run into the guy and get the history. Cause he was like in the butt crack corner of SEMA, like the worst, probably the worst yeah, spot. He was in a pretty SEMA. horrible spot. So it was, I don't know if he was just excited for somebody to talk to him cause he was way out there in the middle of nowhere or, you know, we were, we were 
uh, you know, having a good conversation, but I've always been a big fan of their stuff. And, and I think, you know, bl that Bluetooth connectivity is it's what I did in my last car. And I just like, I like to be able to link stuff together. So look forward to something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, uh, for you guys that are into some, some sounds that don't take up a bunch of space. And the cool thing about this thing is it's seven amps. So it's like, you're not having on Barely super heavy yeah. cable. Now, is this going to be blast you out of the car type super bass no. setup? No. But with the addition of a subwoofer, you're going to have a well-rounded system that's going to be more than Correct. enough. Unless you're running a single glass pack muffler. Like my action. Because mine got some raspy. Rah, rah, but yeah. anyway. I, did, I was actually talking about that with Virgil today because um, I always get loud noise warnings when I'm driving my bus on the freeway. Like my phone goes off. So remember, we turned the decibel thing on. We were going, it was 115 decibel inside my vehicle when I'm on the freeway. That's pretty darn loud. Really? That's really loud. So if you have a stereo yeah, trying miserable. to compete with that, you're going to be, well, that's, go deaf I mean, that's to half the battle it, you know? when you're doing audio systems is to dampen the sound of the inside of your car. And then yeah. some people get crazy about not putting it on there. Again, my philosophy is it's your car. Do what you want. Yeah, do what you want to do with it. I believe to put some sound deadening, you might oh, yeah. end up putting 150 pounds of sound deadening in your car, but it'll make a huge difference. It sounds a lot more solid, and it's a little quieter ride, you know. And VW mm -hmm. did it from the factory; just they used different materials back yeah. then. Um, but I, the Gia that's going to get done is going to be all sound deadened inside, for sure. Um, I it just makes for a better driving experience yeah, when just, you don't have that noise. I like a little. I, quieter. I will end up doing mine someday. Well, you got to make they got to make enough of that to coat the inside of that bus, bro. Take that's easy, a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of space. So the other thing that we did when we were there, and you guys were on the podcast that we did for SEMA shows, we got some of that Evaporust. <laughs> and George, George. Guy snookered us. He, snookered. Well, the guy's, like, the guy's like, you guys want a couple you gallons You want to take some of with like, you? Hey, two scroungy dudes. Let's take this gallon. We're like two guys walking through SEMA. He saw Las miles. Vegas on the tags and said, oh, you guys are locals, huh? You guys are local. You want to take this chemical with you? So, George, you so used we gave Evaporust to try yesterday. Um, before, you, so, so we were working on a bus, and... It was blasted two years ago or something like that, and we've been in the process of replacing all the metal. So now we're actually in the point of bodywork in this thing instead of actually uh, replacing metal. And we got a little bit of surface rust on it just from swamp coolers and whatnot. So we had already cleaned off half of the roof, like manually cleaned it off, which is quite the undertaking to get it to nice, clean, bare metal. So I said, hey, Virgil, I just got this product. Let's try it out. So basically to do it on vehicles, if you're trying to remove surface rust, you saturate a paper towel on it, lay it flat on it mm -hmm. and then you're going to cover it and shrink like like cl cellophane. cling wrap cellophane yeah and uh so we did that and it actually worked very well it took all the richness out of the rust if that makes sense like and it came off fairly easily with just a, a simple wiping now instead of having actually you know the one on the other side we had if you if people are familiar with the grill bricks that are on the rolox they're super coarse but they don't damage the metal and then we also have the the finger ones that are coarse but don't actually take metal we only had to use one step of that instead of two the fingered one that goes the, when, when george is talking about roll locks what you guys that don't have this equipment might know on a high speed um angle angle grinder and air angle grinder they have quick quick disconnect attachments they're like three inches in diameter yeah and they go on there they have one that has like these little baby ken doll fingers all over it that's the one that they use if i'm not mistaken to take off the adhesive from like body molding and stuff like that they come in different grits just like a uh, sandpaper so the ones we get are somewhat aggressive. You wouldn't want to put on paint. So for It'll the rest of us on. that don't work on the stuff as a living, that's what the roll locks are right yeah. there. They just, they just, and they, that's so like just a quarter quick change, turn. Like quick quarter change, turn. Uh, three inch discs for angle grinders. But so we use the Evaporust mm -hmm. and the gentleman told us, he's like, you can't leave it on too long. If you leave it on too long, it just turns black. So because we have the bus and rotisserie, 
It was clocked, I'm going to say, at about a 45-degree angle. The roof and, is planted, toward, planted towards 2 o'clock. Yeah, so the rain gutter caught a lot of the evaporust in it because even with the cling wrap it on it, down, the sure. gravity took it down, and it sat in the rain gutter. So the rain gutter was solid black. But when you wiped it, it was clean. Clean, clean? Clean, clean. Like it was clean, like, clean. Oh, pretty nice. I like it. So that so made doing the metal work a lot nicer on the roof once we got that done. So I give Evaporust a thumbs up. I haven't done a soak yet. Like uh, I want to try it with some lightly flash so, brush to chrome and see how it does on that. So I have <clears throat> I have a I have an Impy GTV wheel. No, it's not a GTV. It's like the chrome yeah. version. It's it was a less expensive Impy wheel, and I'm gonna I want to come up with a way where and maybe I, think I told the same you you put it in a pot that's the same diameter well, of it and you I, fill it up to that hey, point hey, with the hey, with hey, cellophane hey, over hey, it. That's hey, it. Hey, Hey, done. We already discussed last. Hey, time. Hey, I told you how you gonna do hey, it. Hey, listen to me. Huh. Why? Why don't I just take paper towel, wet paper towel, wrap it, and sh- shrink wrap it? You could, but it, here's it, the problem. Would it be easier? Well, just go ahead. Hit me with the problem. Hit me. If you soak it, it's gonna be a much quicker process. With the paper towels, it needs to be on there between yeah, one to twenty-four like hours. I'll so just wrap it in here. We might just do that tonight. It's got to stay wet though. That's the whole thing. It's got to stay wet. And like yeah, the cellophane, cellophane in the house, it still evaporates with the cellophane unless no, you get the I, whole thing tight, 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 like cling wrap. Listen to me. I think you can wrap it really tight on the steering wheel, versus <clears> the sheets laying flat on the roof. And what you didn't do on the roof, I don't think you taped the edges of it. Did you tape I the did. edges? I did. I right. taped the edges. I just got to check on you, bro. So what I did when you left last night, who was a listener that you brought over yesterday? I'm sorry. I forgot his name. Oh, Patrick Fogarty. Yeah. Patrick Fogarty. You came over with a listener, and when you guys left, I actually ended up peeling it back on the top and spraying it down some more because I saw the top, mm-hmm. uh, the middle of the roof was actually drying up because of gravity. Towel. Sure. You know, it's going, it's, it's flowing down the paper towels. So I peeled it back and sprayed it and ran some painter's tape along the top there. To, to slow it down and it worked when we came in this morning they were still wet so not wet but they were moist Damn. yeah yeah so shout out to patrick fogarty he came down from canada with his wife uh they they got a great deal to fly down to hang out they're not gamblers or whatnot so they just came down to do a bunch of sightseeing and he hit me up he said hey man i'm a i'm a listener from canada ontario canada and i want to come down and check things out and uh he cruised down here and then he's like yeah, i just want to pick up a shirt from you or whatever and i said well, what time are you going to be around he says well i got about an hour and a half window and he was staying at Mandalay Bay, and I don't li- or Luxor, and I don't live far from there. So I said, well, be ready at 3 o'clock and come by, pick you up, run down my Georgia shop. So I picked him up, ran down to Georgia shop, and he was pretty stoked because he's a, he's, he's a listener, digs the podcast. He started listening at episode 53, the Bruce Myers one, and then he went back, listened to all the episodes, and then Good caught man. up on everything. So he's a, he's a, he's a super fan of the podcast, dig, uh, dig that he came down here. And any of you guys come down to Vegas, man, by all means, you can always check out Georgia out. shop. You know, reach out to us, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, we'll definitely. We, we, listen, man, we're just we're just two ding dongs over here doing a podcast, and uh, we're just regular it. VW guys, just like everybody else. Yeah, bro, you can even talk to me. <laughs> can we? <laughs> yeah. Man, privilege, huh? So, um, point of privilege. Now we're uh, so we so for episode one fifty. Uh, this, I, I like. Is there something special to do? No, no, but it's our episode, so we're going to talk about episode one fifty and Alex. Alex Gobbler, G-O-B-L-E-R, Gobbler, yeah, Gobbler, Gobbler. He's with Screensavers, man, so if you guys need your screens fixed down in San Diego, man, he's Alex at Screensavers in San Diego, ScreensaverSanDiego.com. So ScreensaverSanDiego is his website, and so um, check check him out. You guys need your window screens, all stuff fixed. But he's a VW guy, man, so spend all your money with him so he can buy me more VW parts. He says, 
Dear Bill, hardcore listener here, and I'd love to hear another round table with you, George, and Jason, but we didn't get Jason over here tonight, so it's just me and George. But this time, I'd love to hear you guys go over topics that may help people who are newer to VWs. So he threw some topics at us. We'll hit these questions one at a time. So, George, you'll go first. What is a good stance and how to achieve it? We'll get George's take. We're we talking type ones. He just says he just says a good stance and how to achieve it. So type ones. Well, I, he I has usually... he has a super beetle. Okay. So. Well, if he's got a super beetle, he's got hey, a whole other battle. Just, let's just talk. Let's just to calm down. He'll be going more for German look there, and hopefully go with like a better strut just system down, on there. Bro. For <clears throat> your standard beetles, I like a three to four inch narrowed beam with shock towers. Um, disc brakes. Usually that adds track to it, so hopefully you're getting a not a BRM that that shoots that wheel out a good offset for the front. But I'm I'm a fan of the four inch adjustable with shock. And as far as rear goes, I like a slight drop in the in the plate. I know people say it doesn't matter, but I like a drop plate. I like it where it has a little bit of angled up. You know, you'll get at least two inch. I'd usually do a two inch drop plate in the rear, and then obviously still adjust. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And so for some of you newer guys that don't, may not know what a drop plate is, a drop plate is the rear spring plate has been recut and it has like an S shape in it. And in the spring steel itself, it relocates the axle location, essentially like a drop spindle for the rear. So keeping, so the benefit to that is that it keeps the factory spring, ten, the spring tension load on the wheels. So instead of you're the car, asking for a grip of hate right now, because there's a whole argument about that, about preload and all that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah but I'm going to tell you right a now, lot of suspension guys but, no, don't no, believe no. in it and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, whatever, no, but, but here's what I'm going to tell you. They can shut up because <laughs> this is my podcast and they can't say nothing back. It's a one microphone there. This ain't, this ain't a round table, all them fools. Now listen up. The, the, this is the principle behind it. You still retain the, the theory, stocks, yeah. the, the stock spring load of the factory. The, the, the location that it's preloaded at from the factory has a certain amount of tension on it. For relocating your rear springs, you are removing all of the preload and the weight of the car is pushing it down. You have no more preload and the relocation means that you may have, it's, it's not a neutral stance. Would you agree? Yeah. When you take the spring plate off, it's not neutral. It actually kicks down a little bit. No, they're usually set about 21 degrees, and there is to put it back in there properly, you usually use a tool to pull it up. That's why they have a tool. And that's to actually it. why I like drop plates, because I still have to use a tool to put them back in place. So let me ask you which this. Which means it's under tension immediately. Do you put do you put them back at 20? When you've done drop plates, do you do them back at 21 degrees? No. Why? Um, because you're actually, most people want it lowered. So if you're doing a two-inch drop plate, um, there's a gentleman, Derek Ryan out of Florida, I believe, Oh my goodness! Uh, I'm so sorry, Derek. I forgot the name of your company. The lab, not not the lab. Well, I'll Dang pull it, it up here in a second. But he he, right. he used to make suspension components. But he had an excellent thread on the Samba, where he showed degrees. Degrees affect your lowering. So usually I'll put it in at about 18 to 16, depending on how low they want to go. If they really want to go low, we'll put it in at 14 degrees. That means you're really going like you're going low, low with a so with he, a drop plate on the did back. Did he do a whole degree calculation based on what degree and yeah. how low it's going to get you? So he says in his article he had uh, for every degree usually gets you about a quarter inch, I think is what it what it calculated out to. And from my calculations, when when I had to do it on a car to, to correct a crooked stance on it, he was dead nuts on the money. So I I had a car that was in my shop that was built at another shop. And the owner always complained it was crooked. And I really didn't see it till one day I did see it. And I was like, you're right. Your bus is crooked. So he brought into me and we readjusted his rear spring plates. And I used that formula of every degree being 
a quarter inch and it actually worked out perfect. I got his bus to sit nice and level. Was so on that. Was uh were were both springs set at the same location? No. They were set at different degrees. What's his name? Derek. Uh Derek Ryan. I want to say it was not Dub Lab. Might have been Dub Lab. Dang so it. but he had a really good write up on it because he used to sell drop plates in the rear. And that's the first time I ever sub- I saw anybody use degrees in explaining the drop. So in order to obtain those degrees, you have to remove the torsion completely and do inner splines and outer spline adjustments because the most important thing is the degree at a relaxed state is you're looking at. And I think that's what confuses a lot of people. They just kind of pull the outer, go down three clicks, and their thing is in the dirt low, you know? Right. You get more control doing inner and outer torsion, inner and outer adjustments on the torsions. They're different size splines. Yeah, I like on the uh, inner and outer. So my my take on stance, right? So his question was, um, what is a good stance and how to achieve it? So and as far as tires go for my stance, I'm a fan of the one seventy five fifty five or the one fifty five sixty in the fronts. I like a little bit. I like a wider contact patch. Yeah. And in the rear, I like to do either a two hundred five sixty. I've done one ninety five sixty fives before. Like if you're having an issue with spring mm-hmm. plate, if you have adjustables, and that's. That's where I like. I like a nice meaty tire in the back. I do not like anorexic tires. You learned from your brother. Don't bring up this single cab again or I'm going to push you out of the studio. Listen to me. Your car had chicken neck it's wheels taxing, on it. It's guys. <laughs> your, your car had some chicken. Get off the get off the iWatch, bro. It's wife, bro. Your car had chicken neck wheels on your single cab, bro. You never had no fat daddy meats until you saw a big bro rolling some 225s, 225s in the back, 225-17s. Now, Alex, we're talking about stance. Stance I like my I'm a little different than George. George loves his stuff to sit super low. I like my stuff to take up the wheel tire gap. But what I really like is uh you just sent her a video, bro. What's her boomer? <laughs> so George likes to take up the wheel tire gap. Uh or George likes to slam his car in the weeds. I like to take up the wheel tire gap. I like a like me, I like a I like a fitted look. I like a wheel to fill to fill the wheel well. I don't like the front end to look sucked in. I like everything looks like it barely clears, but it's just nice and tucked in there. Your tire size has got to be right. But let's say for like I haven't done a super beetle and I'd I'd like to do one one day. Matter of fact, crazy side squirrel note. I'm on someone sends me a link to a super beetle. My boy Chris Broswell. Shout out to Chris. Chris had a uh, a beetle and it was a, uh, a it was a special edition beetle and uh, i think it was called um, shoot i think it was called the baja the same one that i have that steering wheel for and that beetle had um it was yellow with like a blue stripe and uh and he sent me a link to one on offer up and it was the one where they started like in the 70s they started like i think it was 73 they started doing uh um special edition beetles and uh with those they do like the jeans beetle and then this sport beetle the sport beetle was the one that had uh like special seats with the side bolsters and stuff on there from the factory and then a special performance grip steering wheel and chris sent me that and i was like man i should get i should get this thing and i was gonna buy another car this week and i'm telling you the self-control you've shown George, you would be so proud because i was i called this guy we had some conversation back and forth on the uh on on the offer up 
or AKA insult the seller. That's the second name for that app, <laughs> insult the seller. And or the don't show up. I I wanted to get this. I wanted to get this thing, and I thought it needs too much work. And it was only it was like three. It was like thirty five hundred bucks, and it had the right seats in it. I didn't see the steering wheel. I asked for some interior picks, and I wanted to go check it out. It didn't have the black bumpers. Normally they were yellow with black bumpers with a yellow stripe, and it has a black stripe that goes around the back of the car. And it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's super beetle. And if I do a German look beetle, I'm going to use one of those special edition beetles. And um, so for me. I would take I would take the Super Beetle. I'm I'm dying to drive one, like really drive one, because of the McPherson strut front end. It should be a whole different ride. Mm, they're horrible. Well, I don't know. Stock ones are uh, a bro, mess. but you've probably driven all blown out ones. Correct. Dude. Most yeah. of them are. Yeah, most I, of them are. It's not like get them. you bought you drove some candy coated something or other. You know what I mean? Stock Beetle to stock new Beetle or stock Super Beetle would be, a, I think, a world of difference in performance. So. I would do. I like a nice. I like at least a one one ninety five or two hundred five in the front, especially like on my buses. I run seven inch wheels front and rear. My split window. I wanted to have bigger, wider tires in the front. I don't really have the big, wide tires like I like. I like a big contact patch front and back, but I also like my car not too low so that I don't have to like hit the brakes to go through a, to go through a little bit of a dip. I like to be able. I like for the car to still have the same suspension. I don't want it to dive and scrape the frame. I want it to like, I want it. To, I want to relocate the the ride height of the vehicle, but keep the same spring tension, which is why I like drop spindles, which is why I'm a fan of the. Matter of fact, I just ordered a set of the relocation spring plates from, uh, from Chase. So, um, I I like for the Type Three. Yeah, for the for Zorba. Yeah. So shout out to uh, to uh, Cage Sixty Six. Cage Sixty Six. If you guys need some. Uh, adjustable spring plates or some length in front arms. Uh, holler at your boy; he can get you. So I think in. he makes his rear plates a little longer, um, a little longer to compensate for the drop. He he's one of the ones that talks about not needing the drop in the in the actual spring plate. His next question. So Alex's next question is: What is the best way to choose your wheels and suspension? Now I'll go first this time. I've always been. A, <laughs> I've got a problem. I usually always start with the wheels first, and then figure out how to make everything That's work what out. You for should that. do. That's what I do. I like. I figure out what wheels I want to run, and then reverse engineer it from that yeah, way. In other words, from brakes to, to whatever the case is. Um, and I just like you know when I when I did the, when I did the bull run bus back in the day, I saw a bus in Europe that had the twists on it, and I was like, "That's what I'm doing." And so I threw the I threw the twist on there, and I and I kind of it was like serendipity. It was like no effort. It was all lucky the way it worked out. The offset that I got on those twists, it was a stock beam. They tucked, and with the nine forty four brakes, that all went on. And the, I did the eight eights in the back, so sevens and eights on my bus, seven eights on the carbon cab, and they fit with the carbon cab. I think I've I think eight, you have nines in the rear. I of the think carbon the cab, carbon cab has I, nines. I got a millimeter inside outside on those because they're they're boxer torsion. They're boxer S wheels. That's right. That's the first job I ever welded was narrowing my torsion arms. <sighs> and uh, bro, don't be don't be a hater. Dude. Don't, garden snakes on that torsion hey, housing. Bro, it's you it's see still holding up though. So hey. that's right, bro. Nothing but of course we haven't looked at it to see if they're nah, cracking or anything. I don't care, bro. Look, they ain't they ain't rattling or dangling off the car. We're all right with that, but. With the, um, like on the, on those cars, I like the brakes to fit. So like when I, when I saw the Boxster S wheels for the carbon cab, I knew the nines in the back were bigger. So I said, um, and I, I talked to Lanner with that. And then 
Atlanta made my brakes to fix. I wanted to, I, like I found, not, I had 944 turbo four pot calipers and I said, I want to run these. So that's how the brake combination came up. Like this is what I want to run. Mm-hmm. And then Lanner's the my guy that just put it all together. So VW Engineering, shout out to Lanner if you want to get some brakes. I know he does a lot of stuff with Super Beetles. He's a big fan of Super Beetles. He's a German look guy too. And so that's how I do it. I start with like the wheels and then make them fit or in the case of the Gia, the Gia has such a specific look to it. And there's certain things like when I was choosing, when I'm trying to choose the stance on the Gia, I'm, I'm doing two things, not the stance, but like the wheel tire combo. The wheels I went with, I wasn't a fan of at first when I saw them, but the more I look at them and the more I appreciate the uniqueness, they're a German wheel. They're designed to fit on that car. It's a pretty rare wheel. You're not going to you won't see two type 34s with those wheels on it. Like you see every type 34 with Cosmics on it now. Um, but I got that wheel, and then I've got my uh, my D9s. So those D9s, those are going to be gangster boogie, the way those are going to be done. Um, that'll be the official. That car, I'll, I'll fly the Greek flag on the back when I'm mobbing with the D9s on it because it'll be full-blown Zorba. But that car, I'm going to have two sets of wheels on. So I've got to get it set up to where – and I think the difference that I'll do is because the wheels, the second set of wheels are 16.7s. The first set is 15.6s. So with with that respect, I've got to do tire size combos that fit st- the same fitment on both the same offset on both cars. So I'll probably have to stretch the front tire to a narrower front tire that fits on there. But the back, I'll be able to put a, it's going to be a narrower, taller tire on the 16s. Not I don't think it'll be it may not be as wide. I kind of have a setup out there that the 205 on there looks a little skinny on a seven. But when you put a 205, if you look at it out there, when you put a 205 on a 6, it looks like a big, fat, meaty tire. Or maybe the 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 Kleeblatts are uh, five and a halfs. But at any rate, with that car, I've got to do two separate wheel-tire combinations. And wheel-tire combos make the car. If the wheel-tire combo is off, it'll ruin your whole look. Like, it, it gets straight butt ugly. George? Insert Ken Diggett picture. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Of the head in the barn door. I got it. So I got a correction from last week. That is not the VW wheel. I thought someone actually made those. Yeah. Someone actually made those, which is even more insane. That's the only. Well, okay, look. So those are custom-made wheels that are horrendous on those cars, which kind of blows because they're they're one-offs. But yeah. Also, another correction from last week. It's laser welding. I was referring to not cold welding. It's laser welding. It's a very different. Laser well, what are you talking about? What were we talking about? Laser well, the new right? welder I was looking at that was there that they had in the new release place. It's a nineteen thousand dollar welder, by the That's way. That's all nineteen thousand dollars. Think about how much money you're gonna make. Uh, with it. Seriously, like if it works the way it shows in the videos, you could pretty much weld anything, and it and it automatically adjusts and everything and keeps it cool, no distortion. It's insane. Hold on a second. So are you saying that we could weld the panel that was cut out of chop rod, weld that panel back in on the thing without creating any heat? No, it still creates heat. You oh, gotta create heat to, to weld, but it's way more concentrated. It'd be more like TIG we welding, but lasers, more like a make bro. fashion, I guess. But I don't know enough to talk about. I'm talking about my ass right now. But yeah, is, it is right. a laser welder, not a cold welder, like I was talking about. So those are my corrections from last week. So anyway, besides your corrections, <laughs> two weeks ago, besides your corrections, um, you were talking about. So when I got my BBS wheels, I had to work with what I had existing on the car, because I had other wheels on it first. Now when I built my bus for the BRMs. It was a matter of selecting the proper offset of my calipers, or I'm sorry, my rotors to do it. Like I had a one-inch wider rotor in the rear to compensate for the B, BRM 17s. I have an ET of 35, 
So I added the one inch in the back, which I recommend for anybody doing that on bug or bus, get the one inch wider, what they call like the off-road wide five rotor for the back. And it'll help with bringing those wheels back out, make them look proper on the car instead of being all sucked in and goofy looking. It's a 177 you're trying to tuck back there. So, but yeah, a car, you should always have the wheels first and then work around that way. Yeah, I, I think to. I enjoy just working, working back. That's if you're starting with a fresh build. Work. If you have existing stuff, obviously, then it's just a matter of measurements and figuring out your ETs and all that stuff. That's what I did. I knew the ET of the 177 BRMs were 35, and I worked off of that when I bought my BBS wheels. I made one miscalculation, though, because I had the additional one-inch rotor in the back. When you go to a smaller lug pattern, like a 50130 and all that so stuff, they do not offer the one-inch extra wider. Can, so I got to run big old spacers in the can back. Can you explain the ET, the ET setup? It's the offset of the wheel. And no, I can't explain it perfectly. There's, there's all kinds of things online about it. It's basically the center line of your wheel to the mounting surface, and it's the difference between the two. Well, I like mean, ultimately, ultimately, the ET millimeters. The ET wheel setup would be in millimeters based off the yeah. center line of the wheel. I just don't know how to read it, which way is the best way to... Uh, so I knew the ET was 35 on that, and my new ones were an ET of 42. Mm-hmm. So I knew that they were going to work. It was a 7 millimeter difference. I had 7 millimeters everywhere, all of that thing to go with it. So it actually worked out. But there's all kinds of charts and stuff, so you can, you can look at it online that explain ETs perfectly. I'm gonna bore people to tears. We start getting into that bill. So, well, I'm just I'm just pulling up from my curiosity. So, um, the next question: Most is, wheels that they offer for the VW Beetle, like if you're going on MP and whatnot, it's like if you're newbie to the scene and you're just gonna go into an MP catalog and get your stuff. Most of them have very similar offsets until you start getting into like the four and a half crab look and this and that. And like when you start getting the 17s, they start they start needing a little bit of different spacing. But if you're ordering a BRM or the radar wheel, anything like that from the MP catalog, usually you're going to get something that's going to fit onto a vehicle with the proper narrow and adjust. So for the newbies out there, that's that's if you're getting out of the MP catalog for a wheel, you should be okay, at least get in the vicinity. Yeah. And just know what combo you're running as far as brakes and whatnot and beam. And I, I'm a big fan of not going on the MP catalog and buying, just getting some Oh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm talking about newbies has. that are walking into the scene. Like no, like a newbie's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to reinvent the wheel and go, grab this wheel no one's ever seen and you go for know, it. bro. He might be from another scene where they're just doing stuff different. Um, his, so Alex's next question is, what are some plug-and-play ways to make a stock engine generate more power? Or would you recommend a replacement engine? Most people are trying to get power out of stock. Um, a set of dual carbs would be their biggest bang for buck. Like if you went to, cause mo- the, the 40 HPMX kit is choked down to a 26. You can run that on a 1600. That's where you're going to feel the most bang for buck and a decent well, ignition. System. Yeah. So you do, I think there's three things you do. You do ratio rockers to get more lift for the cam. You would you do, can, yeah. you would do a set of dual, like carbs. a one, two, five ratio rocker. You're not going to go That's any fine. more than a one, two, five, no. because actually that was a VW rocker. They offered. Yeah. That Daniel Ortigas taught me that. That's what I'm saying. So you get a you get a ratio rocker, so give you a little different cam, vibe, a little more lift, and then you do the dual carbs. I yeah, mean, so the dual carbs. I would almost. I I know you're a hater of the caddies, but I think a set of Kadron simple. When I had them on my daily, dude, it was set it you. and forget it. It was like I got I them in, they got them running, and then they just kept running forever. You know what I mean? I think the reliability and the crispness. Of a of a the IDF platform is much nicer, and each cylinder oh, each lie. cylinder it's, having its own vent is another thing that creates the power that you're feeling when you put a set of dual carbs on it. When you do the forty millimeter on a on on a Kadron, they're both sharing that same vent. So to me, you get better response out of a set of IDF HPMX, whatever you're going to do that kit. 
so, way to go. So carburetors, uh, ignition. You can upgrade exhaust if you want. I always recommend it because eventually if you go with a bigger motor, you'll be keeping that same exhaust if you get something nice like a sidewinder. Interesting. Speed, something. So interesting. We were bringing up exhaust. We talked about the exhaust not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I and the motor that I had with a small exhaust, I think some of the tried and true classic exhaust systems work maybe better than some of the new ones. The canister style exhaust that I used, the one that I got for vintage speed that was on the 1800cc motor, this one with that exhaust system seems to have a little more pull. Oh, it probably flows way more. I've heard a, uh, you know, I'm well, a vintage, I run vintage speed. I and like I've heard the a lot look. Of, I like the look. I think the canister's too big, doesn't create enough back pressure, but I don't know. It, I, I run one of mine, and and I think if I had a A1 well, Sidewinder, my bus would be, motor. but I think yeah. it would still be more efficient. I, well, I've been told that vintage would speeds be more run... Efficient? A different exhaust. So the vintage speed, if you're running injection on it and you're using the O2 bung that comes with it, you're going to get very odd readings. Eric DeYoung will confirm this. Like when you put it on a vintage speed, because it's a canister style exhaust, you're not truly reading like where right. you see it in a sidewinder where it's at the collector an inch after the four come together like it's supposed to be for a real right. O2 sensor. So they have issues running EFI with vintage speeds, and I think they have efficiency. They don't scavenge the same way like a sidewinder because it's the equal length header, everything coming out of there. And I have the race version, you know, the bigger tubes and everything's supposed to be yeah. equal length, and I just don't think they flow as well as yeah, the other so talking, out so there. So talking to Tiger, he was talking about the design of the VW motor with the pulsing of the exhaust mm-hmm. scavenging exactly what you're talking about as he was saying one of the issues that they have with the with the canister style exhaust it doesn't scavenge everything out yeah. of the exhaust which then maybe creates i guess in a sense too much back pressure in the exhaust and doesn't let it flow good yeah. enough i don't know but i did i did notice the difference from the old trimill we threw on here versus yeah that thing's wide open though you got a glass pack you have a header uh, and a glass pack you now. can't handle the glass pack Get <laughs> that's back, what i'm son. saying like you're not Get even back. muffled so like yeah I would be curious to see the power difference if you were to, say, put an A1 Sidewinder on that car in comparison to that. I think you'd pick up power with the Sidewinder because the equal length, the extracting, all the stuff that Tiger talks about that helps with the performance, mm-hmm. especially in a motor like that, that does have all these little fine details, the nice head work and all that stuff. It would benefit from a better exhaust system on yeah. there. Well, right now, it, it's kind of on there for two reasons. One, I'm a little cheap when it comes to stuff that's already done. You like the retro look. It has nothing to do with cheap. You two, really the retro, like the I li- retro look. I like that retro look. Yeah. It's like period fits that car. You know what yeah. I mean? Short of it having a set of... But, but here's the thing. What I they know you had, like it. I'm what they would have had in the 80s was dual quiets, but not on that car. That car yeah. that car was a hot rod vibe car, so that's why I think you do the glass pack, which is more of a hot rod vibe. So I like that. Um, you know, it, it, in, in respect to trying to go with a new motor, it depends on what you're going for. As soon as you start putting dual carbs on your stock motor and then you go from dual carbs and then you do ratio rockers, you do a little extractor style exhaust. As soon as you do that, you're going to start ripping around the thing like it's it's going to it's it's a it's a racer. Now if the motor's in good condition, which probably what I would do is I mean, not if I would do if I was me, if I was you. So if I was you, I would do a compression check on that motor. First thing before you even touch anything on the engine before you even tune the darn thing do a compression test on it just to make do sure a compression that you're not working with che- garbage do a compression test and then grab that front pulley and see how much it moves if it yeah, moves check a ton play. and does that you're kind of you're kind of spinning wheels put that thing along until you can build a motor and then if you end up building a motor i mean really it depends on budget and if you're trying to build a motor 
um, you can plan on spending ten grand to build a motor. Easily. I mean, in today's can, market, that's you pretty can standard. build a motor for three grand if you do it a yourself and b buy all the parts yourself and you know do the labor. You can't even get all the parts for three grand right now. You're well, seven. You're seven thousand dollars in the parts right now. Let's pump the brakes, son. Let's pump the brakes. If you decide to buy forty thirty five five heads. Slip in 88 millimeter, build a 1641. You put a cam in it and you use a stock crank if you want. No, the, still a thousand dollars for a case. Uh, no, no, no. If your heads, case yeah, is I mean, yeah, like, like there's, insane, there's some bro. variables, bro. Okay, but you got you have to do the, the trade off is you have to do all the work yourself. And if you're lacking that knowledge, this could be a process where your car gets stalled and you're never getting it back on the road. So don't do that. My advice to you is don't do that. Um, okay, so let me go back to the adding all these power adders to a motor, meaning like if we do the carbs, we do the exhaust, do the ratio rockers, you do an ignition system, then you're going to start running into the limitations of that stock motor and you start breaking things. Not really. If you can make it run cleaner and more efficient, you get... Uh, Most people, once they feel the power, more, it's like a drug, and but, they start hitting that throttle pedal a lot more than they would normally, and they over-rev it. They, things are going to happen that you, are but not you put a rev limit on reaching you, the parameters. If you skip the spot, what are you using for ignition system? I like the single vacuum advanced uh, flamethrowers, Petronics. I'm a fan of them. Uh, that vacuum advanced. Why'd you make me buy an MSD? Oh well, I'm talking about budget. Oh. MSD. If you're if you're doing a real car, put an MSD ignition on it. If you're doing a real build, you think when we're MSD, talking about beginners, you think an MSD would make a good difference on a on. A I had car? MSDs on it. I had an MSD on my square back back in the day. I just didn't have an MSD distributor. I had a you know crappy double nine with the freaking electronic ignition in it but i've run msd since i got into bws but now that i can actually fit it in a type 2 i run the distributors and like that's what i told you to do like for instance when we picked up that one at the swap meet mm -hmm. for what you paid for with the box and the distributor and the coil and the brand new things in the pack you picked up about 800 dollars worth of ignition components right there for 300 dollars. that's why i was like this is a deal even with the 150 i'd spend to make everything new in the distributor again we're still so far ahead of the game on that and the result you're going to see is, if you remember when my motor was built, I always had a problem when I had to, when Jim at DRP do the motor. One cylinder would foul a plug constantly. I was literally changing a plug, and anybody who's done that with dual 36 DRLAs on a Type 3 knows my pain on that. It's a job to change a plug in that thing. I put an MSD ignition on that thing and never changed that plug again. Like, that's the difference that you get in Spark. They're ridiculous. I've had a plug wire fall off my bus, and you hear it. Yeah. You hear chip, 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 while the thing's running. Like, up, oh, lost a plug wire somewhere, and go back and fix it. The ignition's unbeatable. Made in America. Their customer service is surpasses anybody I've ever dealt with when it comes to performance products. Literally, I was on the phone with the guy. I'm having a problem. He sends me a new unit out just talking to the guy once. Like, I'll send you a brand new one. You're, oh, thanks, man. And he sent a new one and put it in, and it worked. Because the part I had didn't ohm out properly. But MSD, the way to go. For budget, single vacuum advanced Petronix flamethrower. It's what the average Joe can afford. It's not cheap. It's still like, I think, 149 on CIP1 or, mm -hmm. or aircold.net, wherever you're going to pick it up from. But it's a much better ignition. That single vacuum advanced. These guys, all they should all donate for some sponsorship stuff because oh. we mentioned those couples. Doesn't matter. We no, do they, it. it we matter. do this because we want to do this. And, and obviously, we're, <laughs> we're trying to steer people in the right directions and send them to quality shops. So if those people choose to sponsor the show, let it be on them. Yeah, buy a T-shirt, guys. Buy a dang yeah. T-shirt. But, you know, you get a good ignition system with a single vacuum advance, and it hooks up. There's a port coming off of the carburetor. You don't have that flat spot when you take off from a light and all that stuff. Because sometimes, like if back in the day, you used to have to blip your throttle a little while you're letting the clutch out to get rid of the sore, horrible flat spot. So much of that goes back to the 009 distributor. 
just a horrible it's it's an industrial motor distributor from what people have been telling me as of lately it just doesn't work very well right made for a mid-range rpm yeah. motor you put a single vacuum advance as soon as those throttle plates open up it creates vacuum on that thing and it starts advancing the second you hit that throttle so you get like this little bump as you're taking off and whoop, it's smooth that's a combination i do for all the guys who just want trouble free maintenance maintenance free cars idfs 40s usually mm-hmm. the single vacuum advance and they're set like you make sure when you get that flamethrower anybody listening to this that's going to do it you have to get the corresponding coil there's ohm resistance in coils and you have to make sure that your ignition unit inside has the corresponding coil otherwise you will prematurely burn up the ignition inside and that's the number one problem that people have when they prematurely burn up their ignition units because they're running the wrong coils with them. Wrong or, resistance. Or when you or hooking them up backwards. Or yeah. when you actually disconnect and hook it up backwards. You like do I it did. backwards once you just fry the ignition system. So yeah, be I very careful, that. guys. I did that. I had the DKP thing last time. Color like, coding on it is know. quite confusing because out of the distributor, it'll be a red and a black wire. And most people think you put the black to the black. Well, black in the car is your keyed power that should get the red to it. Don't say I didn't warn you about that, people. Red to black on the on the coil, and then black to your negative side that doesn't have anything on it, unless yeah. So we're just gonna stick with if your motor runs good, um, you just run with the, those power adders we talked about. Would yeah. you recommend a replacement engine? That's a whole podcast in and of itself. You get into a replacement engine, you are going to be spending bucks. Well, and there's so many saying. variables. That's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna. I, I'm just talking about if your motor's good, if your motor is good then just go and do a couple power adders and you'll be good. He says, uh, the next question he says is, do you bench bleed your brake master cylinders? I'll go first. No, I don't do any of that. George, go ahead. <laughs> so I've had, I've done both ways. So now I have a power bleeder, a Motive power bleeder, and I don't bench bleed anymore because of that. Um, but I also bleed the master cylinder in the car after I've had it installed and I got my Motive on it. I'll crack my fittings on the master cylinder itself to make sure that I got that free and clear. And usually once you look up that power bleeder too, and you got your cups going at all four corners, I usually do two at a time, but you don't have air in the system anymore. But if you're doing it manually, meaning like you're Joe Schmo by yeah, yourself, that's what all, and that's what all these it, guys are doing. Like you got their kid in the car, like it would be beneficial to bench bleed it. But the problem is it's so difficult to get it back into the car clean and, not have everything leak out of it. If I mean, there's tricks to yeah. all that stuff. And unless you've done it 10 times, it's a mess. It's an absolute yeah, mess. Yeah, listen, it's a mess. You got to learn. Yeah, the best way to do it is grab the idiot. So book. I'm going to say, you know what? No, don't bench bleed it. Do this. Put it in the car and bench bleed it in the car. Put it yeah. in the car, meaning crack off your lines. When you're when you're bleeding the mass cylinder, crack them at the lines that go to your two fronts and your one rear, however you have it set up. Crack your fittings there. And that's basically bench bleeding it there. But that's still going to be a two-man job unless you have a one-man bleeder. Wow. You know, you, unless you so have that motif, bro. If you got a Volkswagen, I'm sure you got a friend. There's other people that have the same problems you got. So get those guys to help you. Um, he says, I know this one's dangerous, but what oil should I put into my stock engine? I'll go first. You're supposed to put oil in it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I put... Um, I usually run, if I go to the auto, I'll go, uh, here we're a little warm right here, I'll buy 2050 oil or 1040. That's, I mean, the, to me, I'm, with yeah. the, my motors, I'm, I'm either either or. A lot of people. Um, if you're bone, bone stock, yeah, then you're going to want a single weight oil. Yeah, it's 30, 30 weight. 30 weight is fine. Like, if you get some O'Reilly's or, it's getting harder to find straight weights. 
So like Valvoline Racing makes straight 30 and 40 um, and a couple other ones. Most of the guys out there are running the 2050 VR1 Valvoline Racing because it's a zinc additive motor oil that you can get right off the shelf from Chief and Checker. It's a little pricey, but a lot of people run that. Me, myself, that's a bit thick. Like I run usually a 1040 in mine as well. And I know that um, I know that your your boy Dave McFarland, Sound Patrol, has mm-hmm. uh, he's he's pretty <laughs> he's pretty wound up about engine oil and zinc. He's the and, one that talked me into the ten forty and, and just putting zinc additives in it, and that's kind of where I've been because I used to try and always do straight weight, straight weight, straight weight. And he's like, "Why? What are you what are you chasing?" And he's like, you "Just get a better oil in there." Yeah. So oil's really, I mean, when it's all said and done. As long as it has oil in it, it's going to perform yeah. good. You will notice. I, I don't care who tells you what. That's going to be a matter of preference on your side. But you'll notice 0.0 performance regardless yeah. of what oil you use in a stock 1600. It's but if not, you run a really super heavy weight, you have a chance of blowing out your oil cooler seal, things like that. Like if you start running 2050 in a stock motor when it's ice cold, you rev that thing once, you might pop your oil cooler. Yeah. You know, you get into them higher weights and but it, the reality is if you're on a stock motor you don't need any kind of performance motor no, oil especially no. if, you, if you're doing power adders power adders i mean you're not you're not it's not going to make that big of a difference just um, use good oil and use and change it regularly and, and you'll be happy I, to and be i don't here. know if we've ever heard any people give feedback on some of that slick 50 and stuff like that the teflon additive that I've they put inside with the motor. anything like that yeah and i i don't know of anybody who's done that it'd be interesting to see if we know anybody out there that's done any of that stuff you know what people do now I'd is they that. actually do coatings yeah, on the parts right. when they build them so i don't i think like any Raby, additive like Raby that it's kind that. of like snake oil when yeah. you think no i don't know it depends i mean I a lot of it, it is chemistry it might bond to metal i don't a, know a lot of know it uh, a lot of it was supposedly really good um we don't condone or endorse use of any of those products so hey there you go <laughs> yeah but uh listen I, when you got it you know some of you guys are out there like me by stop leaking a can and some stuff like that but uh listen that's when you gasket in a can that's when uh, <laughs> that's when you're on your really your your, your budget uh, your budget daily driver just trying to get it by and stop upsetting your boss. Just the leaking. feeling of hope when you see that on the shelf, like yeah. oh thank God <laughs> they do it. have something to fix it, and then you put that in there. I feel so bad for those people. Like oh, head no. gasket in a can, head gasket in a can. Um, and so his ne- his next question. So Alex's next question is, where would you mount fog lights on your beetle? Now oh. he's it, it, and so to preface, he says, "I have a super beetle and I love the German look." So me, I'd put the fog lights on the bottom side of the bumper on a super beetle. I'm not a huge fog light guy. I don't think I've ever run fog lights. I've got fanfare horns. I've got all kinds of stuff in a display case, but I've never really run anything. If I were to run fog lights, I'd run them on the bottom side of the bumper for that German look. For a German look, yeah, and it also depends what he's got. Does he got some Pia's? What like does he have like a German look? like inspired one i hope said, you know just, if you're going german says, look you gotta stick with it bro I have alex a su- you gotta, you gotta <laughs> alex make sure you're says, holding true to the german look bro i've got a super beetle and don't I, come at me with some old school bosches <laughs> with these ornate centers and everything they better be some like yeah. rally or race style yeah that's the, thing, that, that's the biggest thing when people start building their cars that makes people kind of get, get a little bit twitchy is when you do your car, man, follow the theme through. If you're going like race, continuity. competitive theme, don't put like a you wood, want to see continuity through the whole build. You don't know? put like, a wood slat roof rack on a German looker. No, that's not. Nope, it ain't nope, gonna nope, happen, nope, bro. Nope. Just take it off. You know what I mean? It, the, the car's got to have a thread that, that goes through the whole car, yeah. and it looks like it makes sense. So um, that's where I'd put fog lights if I was to run fog lights. I'm trying to think if I ever ran any, any fog lights. I don't think I ever ran. Any I had fog them on lights. my square back, but they were, you know, just. 
Yeah, they were you, top mounted, yeah, and it was and George, it like, was more George of a vintage likes look. the vintage look, and some of that vintage stuff is is kind of cool. If you're doing like a vintage a vintage rally style rally inspired bug, but even then, they better be like some Pia's or like I said, something that actually is a rally car, not a yeah, not some fancy dancy old school boshers. But uh, yeah, that's about all the questions that Alex has, which is taking good questions, a, a, Alex. a good amount of time. Appreciate you, Alex. Any of you guys out there that have more questions that you want to hit. Me that you want to hit George and I with, send those to Bill at Let's Talk That's Bill at Let's Talk and we'll get uh, we'll get your questions and hopefully you guys get some good ones. Uh, we definitely like to to talk about you know different things in the VWC and different opinions and and different uh, you know thoughts or schools of thought on things like that. Um, we're we're definitely full of opinions over here, so if we're full of anything that's that and something we're else, full but, of a lot of stuff over here, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, one of the other things that happened this week is Jason, those guys, I talked to the guys from Ross Wolf, speaking of Ross Wolf, shameless plug. Yeah, they did plug the Florida Bug Jam. For Ross Wolf, yeah, they did the Florida Bug Jam. Those guys, they did that new, they just came out with that new lower pulley nut, which we were running that. He just gave me that to put on the uh, Excellent. It needs the it. Mach 11. Yep. And it's got that 3.8 socket attached on the front, and it's got and it's got, uh, it's got got rolled threads on it, man. I mean, it's like uh, that's that's the cat's meow when it comes class. to those low, those bottom pulleys. But those guys went down to Florida Bug Jam, and I kind of got we, – we had a little talk about it, and they said it was a, a, a huge show. The way the cars were there, everything was kind of mixed together, which gives people a you know a, a good variety. It's not like you're just walking through the Type 3 section and yeah. you're tired of looking at Type 3. So was, everything was mixed up. I saw from some of the pictures there was quite a few – there was a couple Type 34 Gias down there. Um lot of stuff they said they really really it was a huge show um they're definitely wanting to go back next year i think for next year we need to set up a, a caravan from the from west coast to east because that would just be such a rad show to go to in florida go hang out see some of the east coast guys and nothing cooler than driving your volkswagen out there so that would be something to put on the calendar for next year um last year when i wanted to go i had covid and, and things were they things were tuned down to a point where we were in the COVID pandemic. It was super slow at work. And I thought, man, now's the time to go if I'm going to go. And then I got COVID just before yeah. that happened. So um, I'm hoping that uh, that we're able to go next year. The next thing coming up that we're going to probably be at will be the Grand National Roadster Show. So um, I've got is that? That's going to be in January. I think it's January 23rd. If I'm no, not Busted by the Bridge before then. So I'll be at Busted by the Bridge. So buses by the bridge 13, is 14, 15 or something, 12, 13, 14, 15. Let's see. So um, we've got the Grand National Roadster Show is going to be uh, National Roadster. Um, I think that's going to be, let's see, and I should have had it here. So 2022 Grand National Roadster Show is going to be. In January, I'm pretty certain it's 23rd, 24th. We're going to be, I'm sorry, uh, Roadster Fairplex. Interesting. Is this the same one? No, no, no. Okay. Um, but that's where we'll be. I'll be there with with uh, Chop Rod, and I'll be there with uh, Future Shock. So you guys come out there, check it out. It's going to be, this is probably going to be one of the biggest, I would think one of the biggest VW show events. That's not like festival style where everybody's parked on you know, out in the out in the in the dirt field and all that stuff like Prado. Uh, outside they have a huge section. I guess you can get a three day pass and come in. Park is a club, 
So register early, guys. So if you guys want to go down there and hang out for the Grand National Road Show, you're there all weekend. You guys can roll up in there and get yourself a nice spot and uh, go into Building 9 and check out all the VWs that were part of the history of the hobby. So that that's what's really cool that I'm excited to look forward to. If uh, Busted by the Bridge, I think, is before then. Yeah. Uh, when's Busted by the Bridge? 13th, 14th, 15th, I think. Is it? So if that's 13th, 14th, and 15th, then we will be uh, we will be checking that out. I would assume out. you're going to be at Busted as well, huh? I will be at Busted. So first year I started the podcast. Yeah. So this event... Yeah, Busted by the Bridge will be coming up soon. And let me see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry to keep you guys dragging around, but, you know, we're just trying to bring you the latest and the greatest and the mostest and the bestest. Don't forget to go I check saw out. I a post about something like. Uh, Do you stuff on my commercial? Are, are, there, are there some sort of camping show in December mm-hmm. on one of the beaches? It's bus day or something like that? I don't know. I, th- I thought I saw Skinner or someone post something about that. Uh, that I don't know, bro. But um, I am uh, I'm looking forward to being able to go and get out and do some of these. Yeah, the 20th January 28th through the 30th is going to be the Grand National Roadster Show, and it's a gathering of hot VWs in Beach in Building Nine, featuring over a hundred VWs. So uh, the card's been submitted for that. So I got two cards going to that, and then we'll see you guys for sure at Buses by the Bridge this year. So if you guys are going to go to Buses. Uh, hit us up. Hopefully by then we'll have the alternator fix on the uh, double cab. And November November 20th, that's this weekend, it's Buses by the Beach on Dehaney State Beach in Dana Point, California. Man, oh, man. If I don't know what Where's was, Dana Point? Dana Point is down where all the white people are. So that's fancy. Is that San Diego? Is that Los Angeles? Mm, where is that's it? That's a great question, George. Let's see. Dehaney State Beach is going to be near... Uh, Dana Point, Laguna Niguel, be, uh, just just north of San Clemente. So it's over there near, uh, not far from, not too far from uh, Laguna Beach. It's it's east of all that. It's a ways from Huntington Beach, but Dana Point's out there just. So still Southern Cal. Yeah, still Southern California. So that's this weekend. It's going to be buses, buses by the beach. So. Um, that should be pretty cool jam. Uh, we're, I'm sticking around this weekend. I've just been taking too many vacations and disappearing too much. Going to work, try to work on the Type 34 this weekend. What are we doing tomorrow, Bill? Uh, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow's a lowering party at George's shop, man. Tomorrow we're low on Goldie. Yeah, and Frank Mattis is in town, so we're going to go. He, he oh. said, "He said, hey, what do you got? What's going on this suck weekend? him in the vortex, He bro. said, what's going on this weekend? I said, bro, lowering party for George's uh, old Goldie, the, the – uh, the single cab GMC pickup that George just got some uh, spindles for. We're going to go lower that on Friday Dude, afternoon. So Dino's get down, bro. That was good times. Yeah, you went there. Let me tell you something. How was it? You would have sold there? that I truck you brought. The prices for OBS, NBS, and all the early trucks is mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Sean and I were making jokes about it because we were looking at this two-door Tahoe on like 22s, bagged out and everything like that. It looked like it was probably done later 2000s, maybe. Yeah. You know? And we're like, ah. Oh. I'm like, Bill likes two. And I saw a four sale sign. I'm like, ah, Bill likes two. Or Tahoe's. I'm going to check this out. $90,000. It was LS converted? I think it might have already had an LS in it. It might have yeah. been like 99 or later. But it was clean. <clears throat> I was on that bandwagon. But like three, four, 90, what, 2017. I was, uh, Sean kept making jokes. He's like, bro, your truck's got to be worth at least 75000 right now. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's what we got going on this weekend. If uh, if any of you guys are in town, you want to swing by Georgia's shop Friday afternoon. We're gonna be lowering the uh, lowering old Goldie for him, so he can finally try to stop looking like the old man that he is. Get rid of that wheel gap. That's it, guys. So uh, this episode has been brought to you by VW Trends Magazine, the magazine for the people, by the people. Look out for their third issue coming out next. Uh, go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and subscribe. Uh, super dope magazine, a lot of cool features, and a little bit different than the normal what's out there. Um, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and go subscribe to our YouTube channel. I did throw on a little video that I did from <laughs> from SEMA show where old George got a little bit of the gimbal in the, in the uh, thing, but it's pretty awesome. My son did all the music on that. I was a little so. bit of a boomer there. I didn't realize that. Hey, boomer. <laughs> Plus, I didn't have my glasses on, so I really can't see the screen as I'm filming it. So I didn't even notice the silly gimbal was in the way. Oh, it was so at any rate, don't forget to subscribe $2 to our YouTube channel. Gimbal, and if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com, pick up some merch. I do have, I'm going to bring in, Stand by to wait for the website because I'm going to bring in some long sleeve T-shirts and I'm also going to get some uh, some hoodies too. So we'll do some Let's Talk Dubs hoodies and uh, I'm I looking. got hoodies in the works already for the wagon. Yep, with that same new logo we're talking about. Winter times here, so and I'm going to be working on long sleeve and short sleeve shirts as well. All right, well, cool. Well, it's just like Big Brown, man. You're mm, doing you're doing a good that, job. <laughs> I think I printed shirts before you. Did. No, you had Vegas Bolt shirts no, before Vegas I had Bolt wagon shirts. Vintage, but, vintage. Yeah, they're pretty bad shirts if anybody has one. They know they're. Pretty horrible. Don't get mad at the BFT, bro. <laughs> the BFT was the business back then. Not anyway, the guys, uh, th- you know what? This is episode 150. In the books. In the books, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I love to do a reminiscent podcast, but we're not that old. Only 150 episodes, but mo- more than most. And I think this is the number one VW podcast with the most episodes and the most episodes that are worth listening to. So special guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. I got a couple of cool guests lined up that you guys will be digging. I'm looking forward to bringing those out to you guys. I think that wraps it up for us, guys. So later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have a